Are you ready to unmask and tune into your intuition? My name is Amy Ballantyne. Welcome to Power to the People Pleasers. So excited to have my guest, Chelsea, here. Welcome, Chelsea. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. Yes, so great. So I'd love to hear from you. This podcast is all about empowering people who have been people pleasers at some point. Has that ever shown up for you in your life? <laughs> I mean, it's almost laughable that you're even asking me this question. Um, but, you know, yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and how did that happen for you? Tell us a little bit more. Um, well, I was raised in a very conservative religion, right? So I think that was definitely a part of that. It's inherent in that type of space. Um, and then I just always kind of was. And then uh, in November, I was officially diagnosed as autistic. Yeah. So that was another layer of, oh, <laughs> that mm -hmm. leads to this as well. And what masking feels like and mm -hmm. all those types of things. So it showed up in every single aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like so many people relate to this topic, right? But we don't talk about it enough. So I'd mm -hmm. love to know from you. So you found out in November. Share with me, uh, you talk on your social media a lot about unmasking. I'd love to know a little bit more about that and how it happened for you. Well, all right. So I actually began unmasking unintentionally um, mm. from a state of distress, which is I think why I talk about it now so much is that my hope is that people can begin to unmask both intentionally and not solely from a state of distress. Yeah. Um, but mine came at what I didn't know then was the end of a 14-year marriage and um, leaving the religion that I was brought up in. And uh, it was during COVID. So all of those things were happening. Um, and then I was directing a school at the time, which mm -hmm. didn't reopen in the 2021 school year. So I also lost my job kind of in the middle of COVID. And when you lose all of those identity markers, right, mm -hmm. like wife, school director, this, that, and the other, um, mm -hmm then you're really forced to go, huh, <laughs> I'm not really sure what's left here. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was facing pretty extreme, um, what's known as autistic burnout okay. and some other things and had to really learn in a way, those identities, I was holding them as my mask. Um, mm. and I was showing up very masked and I had no idea what to do once they were gone and learning about my neurodivergency was just another layer of of all of that can you share autistic burnout tell me about that yeah so uh, burnout is you know a, a pretty simple term right it seems to be yep. kind of a buzzword these days mm -hmm. but i don't think it it invalidates the experience that people have so mm -hmm. typically burnout we're all pretty aware with that autistic burnout can lead to like the inability to function um, so autistic humans, of course, we all exist on a spectrum, but it's very mm -hmm. common that we are overwhelmed easier by mm -hmm. sensory input, social situations, etc. cetera. Yes. So this can just increase all of that. Whereas before an autistic person may have felt 
physical pain in response to sensory stimulation, Mm -hmm. it can increase the pain felt. It can increase that anxiety. So it also can decrease your um, executive function, which is already at a disabled state. It can decrease your just working memory, like your ability to engage in a simple task. It can pull that all the way down where it feels like complete regression. Wow. Wow. So how how did you figure out that you had autism? Um, <laughs> that I am autistic. So yes, it, you are autistic. Yeah. So I've always worked with within neurodivergency. Um, that was a big part of my role. My okay. my undergrad is in child development. So I worked in inclusive spaces, trauma-informed spaces, psychologically safe spaces, et cetera, when I was in Mm -hmm. education. So there was always a part where I was aware of neurodivergency, what it looked like, what it felt like, and all of those Mm -hmm. things. And um, I was diagnosed with autism. uh, I mean, I'm so sorry, ADHD, uh, a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And in that, there was, you know additional diagnoses of PTSD and general anxiety disorder, depressive episodes, et cetera, um, which is very common, right? It seems very common, but it's very common as it relates to the female autistic experience because you're often undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And that's Mm -hmm. if you have the access to a diagnosis, right? Which is often very much not available. So, I remember asking my psychiatrist at the time, do you think I could be autistic? And this was maybe a year ago that I asked him that. And he'd been treating me for about two years. And his response was, if you're autistic, everybody's autistic. And I was like, I mean, okay. And I didn't really know enough about autism to really understand um, maybe what he was trained to understand about autism or the Mm -hmm. stereotypical representation of autism. So I was like, okay, but it just kind of was something that was resonating with me. And then I began seeing the lived experiences of other autistic females specifically Mm -hmm. on social media platforms and those types of things. And seeing people do say, think things that you thought you were the only person in the world do say, think, um, was like, huh. And then beginning to see trends. So I reached out to my psychiatrist again and he was like, no, you know, you're not autistic. So then began the search of finding a female psychiatrist who worked in neuropsychology, you know, and and having to find that. Um, Mm -hmm. Once I found that, as soon as I got off the phone with her for my first referral appointment, her response was, we have done none of the testing, but just off my gut feeling I'm going to say you're likely heading in the right direction. Wow. Right. So it was a completely different experience. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, went through all the diagnostic testings. And when she called me back to give me my results, she started the conversation with, I am so excited to tell you that you are neurocolorful was what she said. Because that was kind of the word that I've been using. And I really appreciated that because, you know, autism is not, the end. It is a neurotype. It's just a different experience. And so um, when I then told my other psychiatrist that I had an autism diagnosis, his exact words were, 
well, they'll give anybody an autistic diagnosis Aww. these days. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> See you later. See you later, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So that was a uh, definitely, Aww. we have since found out that my daughter, my youngest is also autistic because cool. it's a uh, part of all of that. And we're having my oldest daughter screened as well. So it's been just one thing after another. I feel that what a gift though, that you are giving your own daughters and other women in, in listening to your own intuition. I think we're going to go there, right? Mm -hmm. Of This person you were working with before clearly wasn't the person for you. <laughs> right. And when you found someone who was going to go through the, the diagnostic work and, and not just make random statements. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so much. And I love that maybe your girls won't have to struggle. Yeah. In, in the way of like having to advocate that, yes, this feels different or I'm thinking, right. That's yeah, definitely. Amazing. I mean, female autism does exist mm -hmm. and it looks different and it's often more highly masked, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so it is harder to tell, especially if you're looking for stereotypical traits, such as inability to make eye contact or hold a conversation, et cetera, which are not the only traits of autism. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> that's one big thing that I bring into the work that I do now in creating safe spaces and working with neurocolorful humans to unmask is the community that we're building right now and the safe spaces we're building right now for neurocolorful humans is the community that my daughter will one yes. day, you know, experience and be in. And so I'm like, we're doing the advocate advocacy work now so that hopefully awesome. she'll have to do less. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and it, it means that more, I think it means that more people will have access because you are doing the work now. Yeah, right. that's, that's the hope. There's so many, um, autistic humans as well who are using social media platforms to share their experience mm -hmm. whereas just they just didn't have a space to share their experience yeah. before so yeah. neurotypical well-meaning neurotypical doctors physicians psychiatrists etc were controlling the narrative of what mm -hmm. a neurodivergent experience was and so now that we're able to have neurodivergent people share their experience yes. you know <laughs> it's it's a lot more accessible and and relatable <laughs> And their, their own voices can be heard. Mm -hmm. Like that's such a gift of social media for sure. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit more about uh, safe spaces. What, what does that mean? How are you helping people? So again, a lot of my training is in education, um, specifically early education, where you can imagine one of our biggest roles is creating classroom environments that are safe environments. Um, and one specific types of safety would be psychological safety, uh, which is the ability to ask questions, share thoughts and ideas without the fear of retribution or retaliation, yes. right? So psychological safety is huge. It's it's especially huge for neurodivergent, neurodiverse humans, because we have a lot of clarifying questions. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I actually made a TikTok the other day about like, what's the point of an autistic person asking a question? to get an answer. <laughs> it's very unlikely that it's being passive aggressive or trying yeah. to like demean the other human. It is really most often a clarifying question. So yeah. creating psychological safety and then creating a trauma informed environment, which these are the things I used to train on when I was oh. an educator, hmm. um, creating trauma informed spaces. So essentially recognizing that 
every human that's coming into your space has experienced trauma in some mm -hmm. way because the external source cannot decide what's traumatic for the internal source, right? Yeah. So what's traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me and vice versa. And especially when working with children, while one move it, while one child may move across town to a new house and it could be completely traumatic for them yeah. and another child may see as the most exciting thing. So it's recognizing that everyone's coming in with their, with their version of trauma and what does it look like to engage in, in this space? Mm -hmm. So I took that concept and now am working to apply it specifically in spaces built for neurodiverse humans because often neurodiverse humans are gaslit, invalidated, um, and we're, we're often scared to trust ourselves, to trust others. Mm -hmm. Unmasking is hard. <laughs> it's yeah. very individualized. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of those things. So to have a space first within yourself and second inside of a larger community to be able to create psychological safety is huge. So mm -hmm. what that looks like right now is um, the biggest way that we're doing that is through a Discord server where we're all kind of engaging in a space. Yeah. Um, but it's really just giving a platform to the people who want to have the conversation. So like mm -hmm. my company is called the pink easel. And the reason that it's called the pink easel is because there is often this narrative that people want to give a voice to the voiceless. So I don't know if you've ever heard that it's very common with like autism speaks or other questionable organizations. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is these, these people already have voices Yes. So they don't need to be given voices. <laughs> yes. Um, but you can help have them give them a platform for their voices, yes. which is kind of the representation of the pink easel. So the easel would be the platform um, that's being used to give, to not give them the voices, but give them the platform to use their mm -hmm. own voice. Um, mm -hmm. And so so that's that's kind of the the overall purpose is what does it mean mm -hmm. for you to begin to trust yourself? to begin to show up, to understand what's under your mask and, you know, mm -hmm. using masking as a tool that you can turn on and off when you feel that you need to, because it is mm -hmm. something we can use, especially as an autistic human for safety or yeah. just less anxiety, right? But you don't have to be controlled by it. You can turn it on and off and, and mm -hmm. all of those things. So, I love that, it, you know, that you can turn it on and off and you don't have to be controlled by it. Those are, I mean, I think those are important words for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're talking about tuning into our your intuition. And you shared a story when we first met about uh, an individual who helped you tune into your intuition. Can you share mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah. So her name was Mariki. And she is, to this day, one of the most beautiful humans that I've ever met. This She's actually the reason that I got into coaching. I had no idea that coaching was a thing. I had never heard of it before. Um, but when I lost my job in 2020, I got on LinkedIn as a joke, right? Like, I guess this is what you do now. You get on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> um, and ended up finding a really lovely community there, which I was absolutely not expecting. Um, and then found out about this thing called coaching. And especially because I was leaving a high demand religion, I had never been in traditional therapy or mm -hmm. counseling that wasn't related to that tradition. Um, to that religion. Okay. So this was all new to me and I was 32. <laughs> oh. So it was, 
you know, so I, once I knew that I really needed something, that I was in a very dark place, um, a friend of mine recommended coaching. And I was like, I don't know what this means. What, what are you saying? And I met with her and she started talking about the space that she creates. And I had never experienced a space like that where mm-hmm. I could literally say anything. And I did say a lot of really interesting things to her over the period of time that we worked together. And there was never condemnation or like this look of like, uh, you know, and I had never experienced that. She was truly creating my first experience of psychological safety ever. And it blew my mind. I mean, every time I'd be like, I don't know if I want to say that. And she'd be like, Chelsea, two years we've been here. Say the thing. <laughs> Two years. Yes. I'm like, okay, I will say the thing. Um, uh-huh. but I had never recognized or I'd never been in a truly psychologically safe environment before. And I often say now that the reason I'm so uh good or you know, good or interested or or willing to create psychologically safe environments is because I was really good at creating the opposite. Wow. And it's like, if you know how to, even unintentionally, because I didn't know what I didn't know, but I was really good at creating non-inclusive, non-psychologically safe, non-trauma-informed mm-hmm. environments as a result of the religion that I was involved in. Okay. So if I just kind of take that and do the exact opposite, <laughs> then wow. you know there we are. But she created that first experience for me and um, really saw me as an individual, not as a person associated with that religion or a Mm -hmm. wife or a mother or a this or a that, saw Mm -hmm. me as a human. And that's why I refer to people so often as just humans. Like, I'd be like, hey, human, hey, hey, human or whatever. Um, Because, you know, labels are important and valuable, but we also there's a lot and you know who we are at the core of all of those and she was really the first person who did that for me and uh yeah she definitely created space for me to change my entire life wow wow i hope that she hears these words or feels them because (laughs) that is as a coach i mean that is what you aim, I'm sure that's what you aim to create. Mm-hmm. It's definitely what I aim to create in my spaces as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm so glad that she created that for you. And yeah. just look at the ripple effect of that moment. So I'd love to know, she helped you tune into your intuition. How, mm-hmm. how did she help you do that? Um, she validated me, honestly. That was a huge part of it. Um, and... I always say, I was actually having this conversation with some moderators. So the Discord community, since January, I think in January, we had like end of January, there were like 20 members, right? And I think I checked it earlier today. Now there's like 154. I don't know what happened, but it's very exciting. But (laughs) you put a whole bunch of neurocolorful humans who are unmasking in one space. (laughs) Sometimes there are like, wait, what did you mean when you said this, right? Clarifying questions. And yeah. so I, some really lovely humans are helping me moderate the, okay. the space because it's needed. <clears throat> and I was actually having this conversation with them the other day when we were discussing, you know, what does it look like to engage in those types of spaces? And I said, the first thing 
always, I have two statements that are the go-to statements and I learned them from Mariki. I mean, I use them in education, but then when Marika used them on me, I was like, oh, those do work. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> so um, and it is, I hear you and you, that's valid or mm. your experience is valid or what you're saying is valid, right? Because just yeah. to validate, recognize the other person exists. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're sharing. I hear you. Yeah. And then I validate you because they could be completely wrong, you know, whatever that may mean, but you can still validate them. Yes, it's their own experience. Oh yeah. I mean, their experience is valid. And it's so funny because I used to do a specific training with educators on trauma-informed spaces. And the, the picture was a balloon. And if a child has is having an emotional response, as is a normal thing, they would be the balloon and they would be full of helium all the way at the top. Well, if you're the educator and you're standing beneath them, you can't see eye to eye with them until you, they release some of this helium. And so the way that you can allow the child to release the helium and to come back to um, a level space and to have both sides of their brain begin to work together is validation. I mean, it is yeah. by saying, I hear you, your experience is valid. I, I totally understand that you could feel that way. Tell me mm -hmm. more about how you're feeling, right? And every validating statement brings them a little bit closer to the ground until they're able to speak to you because you can't engage with someone when they're in their downstairs brain. But mm -hmm. anyway, but when she began using those concepts on me, I was like, oh, it's different than when you teach them versus when someone uses them yeah. with you and you're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I think that was really the basis of then me being able to hear my intuition and, and like listen to it and create space for it because she first created the space, which allowed yeah. me to then create the space. And I didn't have to worry if what I was saying was, you know, stupid or ridiculous or yeah, like wrong. We're being judged. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So as we wrap up this conversation, is there any, are there any final thoughts that you want to leave around unmasking and tuning into your intuition? So I think a really important statement with unmasking is unmasking is, is beautiful. And to go back to masking is a tool, right? So mm -hmm. very often, specifically for autistic humans, we're hearing a lot of this you have to unmask, you have to unmask, you have to unmask. What, when, when really what I would stress the statement is, is you have the option to unmask yes. um, and use your mask as is needed, right? Because mm -hmm. unmasking is highly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it, I like to compare it to, as a queer human, I like to compare it to coming out of the closet as it were, right? Mm -hmm. I may come out to you or my bestie, but I may never tell my grandmother because mm -hmm. maybe that just either it's not needed or it's not a safe space yeah. or whatever. And so maybe if you were to compare that to this concept of masking in that mm -hmm. way, I quote unquote mask around my grandmother because right. I feel safer in that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's you're required to unmask. It's more you have the option, the ability, the opportunity to use masking as a tool that yeah. you control instead of it controlling you. I love that. That's such a powerful statement and, and a great tool to have. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. 
Well, was, the second was there another the one? second question was, is there anything else that you would add for tuning into your intuition? But I mean, you've already answered that. Before. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. It was really wonderful meeting you and, and having this dialogue together. It was lovely. So for those people who want to connect with Chelsea, creator of Safe Spaces, she's on Instagram, Chelsea.empowers. And her website is Stan dot store backslash Chelsea empowers. So please connect there. And again, thank you so much to our listeners for tuning into power to the people pleasers. It's been great. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.